Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. Today's interview is with Josh Ledgard. Josh is the co-founder of Kickoff Labs, a lead generation platform which provides easy-to-set-up landing pages combined with lead capture forms and email marketing to help grow your customers. Josh and his co-founder Scott launched Kickoff Labs in 2011 and since then have helped their customers generate over 3 million leads. Are you looking to sell your online business or buy one to start your entrepreneurial journey? Discover exciting opportunities with Bupos.com. Bupos is the number one platform for buying and selling profitable online businesses and the first to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers. At Bupos.com, you can explore their exclusive listings, browse listings from other marketplaces, or submit your own deal for approval. Bupos can offer pre-approved financing for recurring revenue businesses, allowing you to access fast funding with no personal guarantees. And their experienced M&A advisory team supports you every step of the way. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash Bupos. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to sell your business or find your next deal. Is your team struggling with spreadsheets that can't keep up with your workflows? It's time to switch to Jotform Tables. Jotform Tables is an all-in-one workspace that lets you collect, organize, and manage data seamlessly. Not only can you create online forms to gather data directly in Jotform Tables, but it also serves as a powerful tool to manage and analyze the data collected from your existing Jotform forms. You can also import spreadsheets or enter information manually, and all your data is stored securely in one place. Jotform Tables makes collaboration a breeze. You can share your tables with a single click and work with your team in real time. Say goodbye to version control issues and hello to efficient teamwork. Get started with Jotform tables for free today at sasclub.io slash jotform. That's sasclub.io slash jotform. Hey, are you struggling to grow your SaaS business? As a SaaS founder, you know that having the right tools is crucial for growing your SaaS business effectively. But with so many options, choosing the best ones for your needs can be overwhelming. That's where the SaaS toolkit comes in. This handy guide covers the 12 essential types of tools you need to supercharge your growth. Inside, you'll find a detailed look at tools successful SaaS startups have used to scale to seven figures and beyond. It gives you specific examples and makes practical recommendations to help you choose the right tools for your SaaS business. Don't miss out. Visit thesastoolkit.com to download your free copy and unlock faster growth for your SaaS business. That's thesastoolkit.com. Josh, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Omar. Uh, great to be here. So I've told our audience just a little bit about you. Tell us in your own words a little bit more about you personally, and then give us an overview of your product and business. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do so. So, um, you know, me personally, um, I live, uh, I live fairly close to you in a small town uh, outside of uh, outside of uh, Seattle called Sammamish, Washington. Um, I've got a wife and a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Um, and I started, uh, I started this business with Scott um, while uh, I had a, a six-month-old. So when our four-month-old was, uh, or our four-year-old rather, was, uh, was, was uh, only four to six months old. Um, and that might seem an odd time to most people to go from a, a steady, um, uh, well, I mean, 
on paper, a great job. I was uh, running uh, a product team for a company based in Dallas and that had about 30 people working on my product team and, um, and had uh, a lot of, a lot of say and a lot of, uh, a lot of influence on the product and really enjoyed working on it. But, um, I did not enjoy the, uh, the, the 60 hour a week, uh, a week lifestyle that that kind of, uh, that, that role demanded. And I realized that, you know, to kind of get anywhere, um, I had to have a bigger equity share and I realized it wasn't going to happen at that company. And so, well, how do you get a bigger equity share? And I thought, you know what, you own the business <laughs> and then you control exactly, uh, what, <clears throat> excuse me, what, uh, what sort of equity share you get. And, um, I've made a lot of choices, uh, that one. And, and since then, based on, you know, what gets, uh, what helps me not just professionally, but personally find, you know, more happiness, more time, uh, with my family and the ability to, um, enjoy life, um, rather than working, uh, 60 hours a week. Now, most people don't, start a business so they can create more of a balance in their life. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to, I think that's going to be an area that I love to talk a little bit more about and find out how you're doing that because you clearly, you are doing that and you're, you're having, you're having success with that. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in, in a while. Now, before we dive into more details, we, we like to kick things off with a success quote to better understand what drives and motivates our guests. What is one of your favorite success quotes? I'm going to go with, uh, I'm still going to go with, uh, with, uh, Yoda, uh, do or do not, there is no try. Um, and I picked that whenever somebody asked me for, for a quote, um, especially because I see so many, you know, of, of our, uh, of our customers and other people in the startup space, um, with today's sort of minimum viable product mentality that don't really focus on the viable part. They put a lot in the try minimal part. Um, and they're not really doing it. They're not really going for the product and they miss, <clears throat> they miss the part of MVP that's, that's like, that's viable, that's core. And so I say, you really have to do it. You can't just try. Like if you try and put up a landing page and say, Oh, I'm going to see if it gets any hits. Um, those people are just destined to fail. Um, but if you say, I'm going to put up these four landing pages, I'm going to market each one of them in a separate way. And I'm really going to put effort behind them and I'm going to see which one works. And then I'm going to really go after that business. Um, they're doing it. Um, and they're still doing it MVP. They're doing it as small as possible batch they can, but they're actually putting effort behind it. And that's why, uh, and that's why I like the, the quote of, um, I feel like a lot of day, uh, a lot of times today people have you know, great ideas and, and they just try these great ideas. They don't actually, they don't actually do it. Um, and they give up on them potentially too early or without enough effort. So I love that quote for two reasons. One, I think, uh, for the reasons that you just explained. And then secondly, I actually use that quote uh, with my kids every time they tell me, I'll try and do something. Um, so it, it has, it, it's a very universal <laughs> quote. Okay, let's start by giving our listeners a better understanding of Kickoff Labs. Tell me a little bit more about who your target customers are. Yeah. So today, um, when I look at when I look at our product, uh, about fifty percent of our business comes from uh, people who are setting up new businesses. So that's and that was a, the original core of our product was uh, was the kickoff part of it. So people that are launching a new startup, people that are launching a new product, uh, people even at existing companies. Uh, like one of our early success stories was KLM Airlines was launching a new app. Um, that's a product launch within a larger company. So about 50% of our business is either new or existing companies doing a product launch of some kind that they want to have a landing page. 
um, or an opt-in form for. Um, the other 50% is, I would say, um, primarily existing business, people that work in marketing that are doing uh, what I would say is a, is a growth uh, campaign, a campaign designed to expand their audience. So they might have 10,000 people on an email list and they want to get that email list up to 20,000 people. And they'll set up uh, landing pages with either incentives, be it um, an ebook, a PDF, uh, for something that they're they're downloading, or a contest, or say, hey, you know, uh, sign up, sign up, and you know, you'll be entered to win. And oh, by the way, if you get five pe- five of your friends to sign up, um, or the person who gets the most of the referrals to sign up, um, they also get something. And that speaks to um, you know th- th- those two customer segments: the the product launch, the new and existing, and the existing trying to growth. Speaks to one of the unique value propositions we have, which is re- rather than simply focusing on a landing page builder. Um, our goal is to is to make things um, as optimally viral as possible. So we offer a unique uh, referral system, meaning that if you sign up and you download my my company's PDF, and we give you a share link to say, "Hey, uh, Omer, go ahead and share this with uh, with your friends." And if you share to ten people, we're going to give you, in some cases, like an e commerce site, they'll give you twenty five dollars to spend. Um, if you can get ten people signed up uh, to the at, at the e commerce site. Um, and we enable that tracking, we enable that reward, um, for those, uh, for those customers. And so, um, that's kind of more of our, our niche in the lead generation is focusing on that, uh, on scenarios where you really want to get customers bringing in, uh, other customers. And, um, not that everybody needs a viral coefficient of greater than one, um, where you're seeing that hockey six style growth. But if you just think about it, that's not what you need to be successful you might just need to make your $100 in marketing act like it's $135 in marketing. And so that's generally what we see is um, through these forms, whether or not you even add incentive on sharing, just even having a share option on a thank you page um, will get you 30 to 40% more leads um, than you were previously getting. Can you give me an example of a particular success that a customer had using Kickoff Labs? (laughs) <laughs> uh, one particular example of customer success. Uh, there's, there's so many, there's so many fun ones. Um, one of my favorite companies is, uh, that, that uses our product is, uh, is called, uh, uh, Chubbies. Um, they make these, um, th- they make these shorts, um, that are, uh, I'd say, uh, I don't know what the best way to describe them. They're extremely short shorts for men, that they uh, that you would wear, uh, I guess, on a golf course. That's where some of their pictures come from, and they're wild colors. They're plaid. Um, <clears throat> they really get their their niche of their their customer. They sent me a, fr- a free pair, and my wife laughed at me. <laughs> she said, "I don't <laughs> think you can wear those. You're too old for these shorts." Um, and, uh, and she's probably right. Um, <clears throat> but they do um, they do uh, about every other month. They do. Uh, they come up with a different promotion, and one of the recent ones was called Cyber uh, uh, Monday. Um, and they uh, the contest Cyber Monday uh, was uh, they wanted to get people to like them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter, give them their email address was step one. Um, that would enter them to win um, a prize, and then they had a, a range of prizes. Um, basically from an, a thank you email, if you got one friend referred to um, $10 off, if you got five friends, and then, you know, it, they escalated for the referrals. But the, the key point is that they made it achievable for everyone to achieve some level of referral. Because, you know, if you set a prize reward too high in a contest, 
you scare off a lot of people who say, I'm never going to get, you know, a hundred of my friends to sign up. But if you say, I'll give you something if you just get one friend to sign up, and then I'll give you something more if you get four friends to sign up, and then I'll give you something, and you, you, you have prizes for kind of every level of influencer along the way. Um, and every time they run one of these contests, I mean, they seed it with a couple thousand people that they send to the page and they're always tripling that couple thousand by the end of the, uh, by the end of the contest, um, in terms of growing their, their mailing list. And so it's been a really, um, really winning strategy for them to grow their audience. And they know as a, as an e-commerce site selling these shorts online, the larger their mailing list, the more likely they are to, to have people coming and shopping and buying uh, on a regular basis. I just checked out the website while you were explaining that. And, and while the guys with those pictures look, you know, pretty, pretty good, there's no way I could get away with wearing something like that. So Josh, let, let's talk about the early days of kickoff labs and explore how you got started. First of all, t- tell me where did the idea for kickoff labs come from? Yeah. So Scott and I, um, had both, had been both been working for the same company. And I think within the span of about a month, um, I, I told Scott first, Hey, I'm going to leave. I'm going to do my own thing. I don't know what it is. Um, he said, Oh, you beat me by a month. I was going to tell you that next month. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and so I, and we'd work pretty closely at, at this company. And so, uh, we just sort of started talking like, Hey, you know, two chances are two is better than one. Let's, uh, let's see if we can come up with some ideas and, and work together. Um, and you know, we put together, um, you know, we must have had like one sentence ideas for like 50 different things we could do. We kind of took about 25 of those and wrote like a paragraph out of, you know, to, to narrow that down. We went from that 25 down to about five or six different ideas where we had like two or three pages written out about what that would mean, um, and what kind of product that would be. And then at that point, it really felt like, boy, to go any more detail, we're just absolutely guessing. Like I'm just writing in, oh, the potential market is this big based on Google queries, based on customers, based on these businesses. And then, um, cause it's important for us both having families. It had to be something that could be profitable. We couldn't go after kind of a consumer space. We wanted to go more business to business, um, and, and try and, uh, and do something that we could attach a price to. Um, and, uh, and so we, um, but it turned out, I mean, once you get to a certain stage of writing out your business plan, you're just guessing the numbers, the conversion percentages. And what really meant something to us was, well, you know, what's really important is could we successfully market any one of these ideas, um, and get people to sign up for it. And back in, you know, 2000, 2010, 2011, that was a much more novel idea. And, um, it kind of, I think Scott said, you know, what we really need is some sort of service just to generate pages for each of these five ideas. And then, then we, then at least at the end of the day, we'll have a service that generates these five pages. Um, and, uh, you know, this is how developers think because we both came <laughs> technical, um, more technical background. And then we added that to our list of ideas. And, um, it turns out that was the one that we were able to get the most, uh, weight in terms of people actually willing to give us their email address and, and information on and the one that we were able to market most successfully, um, as we were starting to think through what, how we would actually build, uh, build a product. And, uh, so like I said, our, our core initial audience was definitely, um, that own, that, that our own use case of, quickly put a page up and, and throw some ads at it or throw, you know, throw it on Facebook and see if you could get uh, interest and in, in email capture, um, features, you know, came from, then we started just growing from, you know, our, 
from, uh, from, I mean, I'm simplifying the growth story. I think you have a question maybe later about that, but, um, then we really just started advancing on the idea based on the direction our customer, what kind of data we were getting from our customers. So, you know, from there they said, Oh, well, could you send an autoresponder email? Sure. And then from there they said, well, you know, it'd be really great to be able to reward people that get three people with early access. Great done. We'll do the virality feature. Um, and we just, focused on what our customers were telling us. And we just kept doing that over and over again through iterations of the product as we were, as we were growing. So you, you had these ideas or a short list of ideas and it's, so from what I understand, you created landing pages for each of these ideas, yep. drove traffic to them and captured email addresses and, and basically measured which idea was getting the most interest from potential customers. Yep. And, and then, like I said, it, we actually included in the list of ideas, the idea of a tool that generated these pages. <laughs> so you were basically doing manually what kickoff labs does for your customers today. Yes. Got it. Okay. Tell me about one or two of the other ideas you tested. Um, one that we actually uh, that we actually developed um, to a certain level, where we, ha- we actually had a private beta and we were getting some customers on board, um, was called uh, was called Sift Social, um, and the idea was uh, and the idea was that you um, there's all of the, the this noise going through if you're a larger company on on Twitter um, about you know in your space either not just about your product but about your know, your space your industry so for us, it might be, you know, people talking about marketing and people talking about landing pages. Um, and there's a lot of employees at your company that are um, paying attention to this, uh, to the social media, perhaps in their own way. They've each got their own sort of Hootsuite account. They've each got their own Twitter account and they, they read things, but they're not doing things together. Um, and so the idea for, uh, the idea for SIF Social was, could we make it so that if you were a larger company, your employees were collaboratively sifting through all of these shared sh- shared searches on Twitter um, or Facebook or other places where you could do shared searches and bubbling up what was most important to your business? So it would start with people, you know, you look at sort of if you could imagine a company like Microsoft and they've got a thousand people who might work in a, in a group. Um, and they all are sharing or, or, you know, retweeting or, you know, favoriting within, within Civ social, the same articles, then you might want to bubble those up <clears throat> and share them on a larger basis, either reshare them publicly, reshare them internally, add them to a queue that would say, Hey, we should write a blog post about this because it's related to our product. And so the idea was sort of like, um, um, if you imagine like not a social CRM, but an idea uh, manager where you would just take these the, these tweets and these links and you would bubble them up internally for one to kind of rank them and help people internally see what the interesting buzz in their industry was, but then also take action on them to put them into a queue to say, write a blog post, retweet, buffer this, uh, this, uh, the, this thing. Um, and uh, I really like the idea. Um, and we had, um, we had a couple of groups at Microsoft, um, 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 beta testing it. We had good feedback on it. Um, but as we were developing it, it just felt more and more that Twitter is just going to pull the rug out from under anyone that does this idea. Um, and it turns out we were right. Cause it was, uh, about the same time kickoff labs actually started, uh, uh, taking off more as a product. And, uh, and then about that time where kickoff labs was taking off, um, two things happened. One, 
had a, had a mentor tell me, you know, it looks like you've got one product over here at a certain revenue level with barely any effort. Why are you building this other thing at the same time? Why aren't you just focusing on the one? Um, and then, um, and then Twitter, um, kind of killed a lot of their API access for clients is when they started consolidating who could do what and access the API. Um, and, basically saying services like what we were doing, they didn't want to have them done by third parties. And they bought up some of the people who were close to doing this. Um, I forget the name. There were a couple of companies Twitter bought that were doing something similar, uh, not quite a collaborative filtering, but more automated filtering. Um, and uh, it just seemed like uh, it just seemed like Twitter was going to, uh, and they, they would have, they would have uh, made what we were doing cost prohibitive. So when you tested these ideas, you didn't just pick the one. You kept going with a couple of them. Um, we kept going with that one. We didn't go with the. We didn't go any further with uh, with with the other ideas. And and how how clear cut was the feedback that you got that this this landing page solution was the product that you guys should be building? How clear cut was it? Yeah, from um, feedback. You know, it, at the time it felt very clear cut, but really it shouldn't have been. Um, it just was the one where, um, it was the one where, I mean, we got twice as many, you know, emails captured as any of the other ideas we published for the same amount of effort marketing. Um, it was the one where, um, people would say, well, we, I'd pay for that more than anyone else. Um, it was the one where, uh, we, we knew more people in this, in the entrepreneurial space than we knew in other spaces. Um, and so it was kind of easy um, that necessarily shouldn't inform somebody to say like, oh, you should always do the easiest thing. Um, but in our case, the science just kept pointing to it, um, saying uh, along the way. And like I said, even when we built out betas of, uh, of this product, kick, uh, Kickoff Labs, and then the, the SIF Social product, um, it just, you know, it kept growing more organically than the SIF Social product was going to require more of a sales effort, more of a in-person, you know, going to these companies, getting them set up, teaching them how to use it. Uh, successfully effort than I think we were, we had the resources to invest in at the time. Did you guys build a product yourself or hire a developer? Uh, we, we built it ourselves. And how did you go about getting your first few customers? <laughs> um, I mean, obviously we, uh, we, we, since we were, had built a landing page, we had a, a launch list um, and we, we'd envisioned that the, the day we launch, we're going to send out this email and, um, and, you know, we're going to get a huge percentage of these people who are on our list. They're going to come and they're going to click buy because they gave us their email address. They wanted the product. Right. Um, and, um, and it turns out that was just Wednesday. Um, it wasn't a day that, uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't a day that, you know, saw a ton of money being made. And, and the first, um, and even the, the, the first month, I think we had you know, maybe two or three paying customers, the point where, you know, we, uh, uh, you know, before expenses, you know, we'd made, you know, maybe 10, 10 or $20, um, cause we were pretty cheap at the time we first launched cause we did go with the minimal, um, concept. Um, uh, and, um, and so I, I remember telling Scott, I was like, so what are you going to do with your $5? And he said, uh, <laughs> he said hookers and Coke. And I said, you are going to have to seriously lower your standards <laughs> for what you're going to spend your $5 on. And, uh, and, uh, so the, that didn't work as well as we thought. I mean, we did keep emailing them more of those people converted. Um, uh, what worked best was realizing that we didn't, despite our best efforts to build our own audience, we didn't really have an audience yet, um, of people that could buy the product. And so we had to reach out, 
uh, one at a time uh, to get people to come purchase. So um, literally, um, we would go. I would go on Twitter for uh, for twenty minutes a day and look for people who are posting about landing pages, who are posting about competitors. And I would find something personal about them so it wasn't just spam. And I'd send like 20 or 30 of these tweets a day. It's like, hey, it looks like you're having a problem with X company. You know, um, you're a Vanderbilt grad. I went to Vanderbilt. Um, why don't you try my product and we'll keep it in uh, we'll keep it in the black and gold. And I, I just I had to come up with you know these personal engagements so that you know I wasn't going out and just doing this tweet bot spam like you said landing pages, come try our product. Um, I wanted to actually I had to actually to get people to respond and really drive people, I had to personalize it to, um, uh, to what they were saying on Twitter, to their, to their bio. Um, that was a big strategy early on. Um, there was a competitor, uh, that got bought up and, uh, and uh, at the time called uh, launch rock and they were at the time restricting who could use their product to people who had invited three. And I would just email people and say, real entrepreneurs don't wait in line. Um, they actually just launched their product and you can do that today with our solution. Um, that got us a lot of customers, but again, it was reaching out very personally to these people who had frustrations with an alternative solution or frustrations about marketing in the space. Um, and then also, um, finding places where people were discussing, um, these problems online. I mean, literally there's a board in, on, uh, on Quora, um, which is a, a Q and a site on, on the internet. Um, I recommend anybody check it out. Um, especially if you're listening to this podcast and you're not on Quora, you probably should be, um, that, um, People literally, there's a subtopic where people talk about landing pages. And so realized that going in there and answering people's questions about landing pages um, and putting in the signature that, hey, I'm the founder of this company, we do landing pages, um, would drive a ton of traffic um, back to us because that's where the audience was. And so we had to, we learned that we had to engage where the audience was and we had to engage them personally, whether it was personally addressing their concern, whether it was personally speaking to them through their biography or personally answering their question. Um, and I think that's where, I think that's where a lot of people talk about when you talk about the hustle, like that's how I think it's done is, is you have to be really personally, you have to spend the time and the effort to engage people, to draw them back into your product, to get them to give you a chance because you as a, as, as newer business or even a, a growing business, um, people don't know who you are. And I'd still say that's true about, about our business at this point. Most, most of our potential customers have not yet heard about us. Are you an entrepreneur looking to buy a profitable online business or a founder ready to sell? Bupos is the number one platform for buying and selling profitable online businesses. With their exclusive listings, as well as listings from other marketplaces, and the option to submit your own deal for approval, Bupos has you covered. Plus, they're the first to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers of recurring revenue businesses, allowing you to access fast funding without personal guarantees. And their experienced M&A advisory team supports you every step of the way. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash bupos. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to start your entrepreneurial journey or sell your business at the right valuation with bupos.com. So after you and Scott celebrated and, and split the $10, how did the subsequent months look for you? Uh, you know, were you starting to get more paying customers coming in and, and was the revenue, revenue going up? Yeah. I mean, it's never, it's never this steady line, um, where you say where every month you say, wow, that was way better than last month. The next month will be even better. 
it would come in, it would come in burst. So we're a recurring revenue product for subscription based. Um, and so you'd have, um, you'd have a, a couple months where, you know, things would just like, you'd see crazy growth because somebody would do a blog post about you or, um, you, you we had a, an, some articles written about us. Um, and then the next month they'd just be flat and then you'd have, you know, two or three months where there'd be no growth at all, where you sort of question like, why am I doing this? It's not growing. And then you do something that works and you see another two or three months of, of steady, steady growth. Um, and so, you know, we launched in, um, in, in July of that year. And then by the end of the year, we'd made, um, we'd only made about $8,000 by the end of the year. Um, but the trend was a positive one overall when you looked at the six months that, that convinced us to keep going, um, the next, and uh, for the next six months. And we kept seeing that growth. And when you say, what is it, what did it look like for me? I mean, a lot of it really was realizing that, um, the mistake that I see a lot of our own customers making, which was that, um, people, uh, subscribe and we did it too, as developers to the, if you build it, they will come philosophy. And the reality was, you know, you have to tell them about it. And then even once you tell them about it, you have to tell them again. Um, and so a lot of my days were spent while we were growing, um, a doing that, reaching out personally on Twitter, on core, on other internet boards and niche communities where people are talking about landing pages and launch product launches and, and, and growth. Um, so reaching out personally, then once we had somebody who signed up for a free account, cause we had, we've got a free account level. Um, and I'd see what they did also then reaching out personally again and say, Hey, it looks like your, your page is, you know, targeted towards this market. Um, if I could offer a suggestion on the copy you've put on your page and I would just give them personal advice and say, Hey, you know, just here's my two cents, um, that would help really help your, your page. Um, and people appreciated that, and that drove a lot of our early upgrades is just being really personal. Um, we did personally email and give personalized advice to the uh, at least the first thousand people who signed up with our product, and it's a practice we still do today. Um, we just we we optimize how we how we spend our time and and who to who we give that advice to. So we look for people who are more serious, and then uh, we've got a way to rank uh, rank our leads, and then say, okay, who should we really spend time and, and personalize our advice to if we're going to try and convince a free customer to upgrade? Um, and so a lot of our time was spent uh, literally just doing that, and then when we'd see two or three people request a feature, then we'd just go build the feature. We'd say, that's enough. If we can get two or three people who are paying us that asked for this feature, it's probably worth building. Looking back at those early days, what do you think was one of the biggest mistakes that you made? Um, the biggest mistakes is, is, again, another one I see a lot of our customers make. And you can't tell people it's a mistake because people don't believe you until they live it, um, is trying to over-optimize things with minimal, uh, with minimal traffic. And so a couple of examples, um, a couple of examples I can give is saying like, Oh, I'm going to run these, uh, these AB tests on our homepage. Um, when you've already got maybe, you know, 10 to 20% people converting on your homepage. Um, your problem is you only had 200 people coming, coming in a week to your homepage. Right. Um, and, I think we spend a lot of time uh, looking at different parts of the product and trying to optimize um, and trying to optimize things where the problem wasn't the the optimization. The problem was just the volume going through it. Um, I talk to a lot of customers who say, um, 
I, I talked to a lot of customers, one customer who quit uh, our product pretty recently. And cause I try and reach out to people who close their accounts and see what didn't work for them. And, and I hear this sad thing over and over again. Is, so, so why do you, why do you stop? And I said, well, um, I, I just didn't see the traction. I optimized the landing page and I AB tested it. Um, and, uh, and then I go and I look at their account numbers and I see like they only ever had, you know, 75 or a hundred unique views and they got 20 signups and that's, you know, a 30% conversion rate. I said, wow. So you had a 30% conversion rate on what you were doing. I said, you did not have a conversion problem and you focused all this time on conversions. You had a traffic problem, right? You didn't drive people to look at what you were, what you were doing. Cause if you're getting a 30% conversion rate, that's not your problem. Your problem is, are you exploiting that, that, that enough, you know, by put driving enough people at it. Um, and so I see people and it's human nature. People tend to optimize on for things that they can, con- they think they can control more, more directly. So tweaking something on your homepage, tweaking your marketing copy, those are things you have direct control. You could just sit at your computer and do it all day long. Um, but things you have less control over are, how do I get you know the 99.99% of potential customers out there who've never heard of us to hear about us? That's a much harder problem that your brain wants to retreat from. Okay, Josh. So you've you've turned this idea into a product. You've got people using it. Um, you end the year with eight thousand dollars of revenue. Tell me what the growth looked like in in the subsequent years. Um. It's, 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 it was steady growth, um, since then. So, um, we're at a point now where we've got, uh, you know, we're still not a large company. We've got, um, somebody who works pretty much full time on sort of support and customer success. Um, we've got somebody who's working on now on, on, on sort of marketing and, um, and our funnels. Um, and then we've got a few contractors who work with us on design and, and development, um, and then we're able to actually pay ourselves a reasonable, uh, a reasonable wage at this point, <laughs> uh, Scott and I. And so, um, it's, it's been steady growth. I, I'd always like it to be better. Uh, but it's, uh, it's enabled us, you know, it enabled me, for example, within the last year, I took, um, five weeks and took my family to, to Ireland on a, on a trip. Um, and I worked maybe two or three hours a day while I was there and, you know, things didn't, fall off a cliff. And it was, uh, it was, uh, opening <laughs> to me, uh, to be able to, to be at a state where, where, uh, I could do that. Yeah. You know, I've been, I've been seeing, um, a number of stories and talking to, uh, a few people who have built successful businesses and still managed to, not work, you know, insane hours and have balance and either have family time or more social time. And and I think that that is a really interesting trend where because everybody, oh, I think most people have this stereotype expectation that if I'm going to go and build this business, I'm going to have to work 80, 100 hours a week. I'm going to have to work all the weekends. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of role models out there who will tell you that that's what they do. So you assume that that's the way I, I have to go too. So I think it's always really inspiring when, when I hear stories such as yours that, you know, you guys can build a successful business without, you know, going, you know, you, I'm sure you work hard, but it's not, you know, going crazy every day. Yeah. And there, and there's, you know, and there, there's certain, there's certainly times where, you know, the work, there, there is a ton of work and things have to be set up for, you have to set yourself up and you have to realize that's one of your goals. 
Because I, I do think that if Scott and I, you know, if we said, okay, we're not going to prioritize family time, you know, he's not going to play the, the the soccer mom and 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 take his and take his daughter to to, to soccer every day and, and do that kind of stuff. There's things that mean you know we could have potentially moved faster on, and I think we'd 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 accelerate things a little bit quicker. Um, but you just have to choose, you know, what what you're going to optimize for um, in, in your in your life and, and in, in the business. Um, and then there's, you know, there's other parts to it, which is, um, <clears throat> sorry, um, things that, things that we've done, um, wouldn't work, uh, w- wouldn't have worked quite well. So making that $7,000 in the first six months, um, if both of us hadn't already set aside savings, you know, for our family from working really hard at our previous job, um, <laughs> then that wouldn't have, <clears throat> we wouldn't have had that runway, Right. And so, you know, I, I look at things I did, it's like, wow, I can't believe I worked that hard. But on the other hand, having worked, you know, to that level and, and pushing myself for the, the last few years before that enabled me to have a savings to where I could have the runway until kickoff labs is at the point. It took about a year um, until kickoff labs are at the point where we, we could actually, instead of just having to reinvest it all back in the business, we could invest it in ourselves and actually pay ourselves a reasonable wage. Um, for what we were doing. Um, and that took about a, a year after we launched to get to that, to that stage. But to, to get that runway, you know, some people it requires that they're going to have to, you know, work and do their startup at the same time. And then, yeah, that's a 60 hour a week. If you've got a 40 hour a week job and you're trying to build something on the side, um, um, it's, you know, 60, 80 hour a week, um, or you, you decide you're going to build up a savings first. And then it takes two or three years to potentially build up, um, build up the savings because you knew that was your goal. And I mean, I'd made the decision, the choice for myself about, you know, two years in advance, knowing that I wanted to, we wanted to build a savings for our family so that I could have the runway to build this. Now, as you, you know, often with growth come growing pains and, you know, the, you, you, you guys clearly got traction. The, the first year gave you the runway to start building this business. But as you grow, you know, you, I think you start to face a different set of challenges. So tell me about one big challenge that you faced as your business started to grow. One big challenge. Um, I mean, there, there's a couple and, and they seem to, they seem to every now and then they repeat. Um, I mean, I'd say, you know, right now, um, the, the challenge, a challenge that we're looking at is, you know, looking at our, at our, at our retention for our users and say, as a, as a SaaS business, um, you know, you hit these plateaus in revenue. And, you know, I remember I talked about earlier things kind of, you know, they go up and then they plateau and they go up and they plateau. Um, and for a, a subscription based service, a big reasoning for that plateau is, is are people quitting, you know, how many people leave within a month, right? That is actually a huge limiting factor um, for your growth. And so um, part of these challenges, figuring out, you know, okay, what is causing people to leave and and quit your product? Um, And having to really analyze when people leave, um, what what was driving that? What was causing the lack of retention um, in the the product? Because it turns out that all of these plateaus we had, um, we've had in revenue and, and, um, and even, you know, some of the challenges we face today, are, you know, the, the big challenge we face today is, okay, how do we get to the next plateau? How do we, re, you know, lower that retention rate even further, you know, or not lower the retention rate? How do we raise the retention rate, lower the, uh, uh, the cancellation rate so that, you know, we, we have, you know, we get more lifetime value out of, out of each customer. Um, and, um, the answer is always slightly different. So, 
Um, I'd say uh, early on, it involved, you know, realizing that, um, let's say, uh, and some of the, the answers are the same. So our product, like I said, initially for people who are launching new businesses, and that's what it was, the, the, key, the key of it was. But if you think about that market, if that market is 95% of your customers, they're horrible customers. Businesses fail. And eight out of, you know, what's the stat? Like nine out of 10 businesses fail. So that means that you're, we were catering to a customer alone, like just catering to that customer and then saying, saying, you know what? There's two things that are going to happen with that customer. Their businesses, they're, they're going to give up the idea. Hence the business fails within two to three months. And then they're no longer paying us. Or they're going to be wildly successful. They're going to keep the landing page up for maybe six months, and then they're going to quit because they have the resources to build their custom page. They have the resources. They're like, we're going to build our, our own website. Um, and so a big part of our challenge has been realizing, okay, one, can we offer product and services to people that have passed that first stage and were successful, right? So you've launched your website, but then the question still becomes, how are you how are you capturing people's email addresses? Do you have opt-in forms on your page to to give away a PDF and capture email because just because you have a website doesn't mean you need to stop collecting uh, collecting an audience. Um, and so hence that became uh, you know features that drove into into opt-in forms. Um, and then you know contests in terms of you know engage, re-engaging customer customer list running contests. and then uh, and then two, um, you know, should we build some features, uh, some features that aren't just for, do we have to shift our audience? So looking at our audience and saying, you know, we can't cater 100% to, to entrepreneurs um, because like I said, they can be terrible, terrible customers um, because of the nature of their business. And so can we expand the reach of our product, um, add, you know, other, other features to our form where you can just have it as a standalone. You could run a contest where we push information to MailChimp, we push information to Aweber. We've got these integrations into Salesforce and other CRM tools so that we can cater to a different type of customer that has recurring campaigns. They're constantly kicking off. Um, and so that's, um, this is an ongoing challenge. I would say for any SaaS businesses looking at both, um, how do you grow you know, the audience of people coming in, but then how do you keep them once they have it? And those two sides of the coin, I find the retention to be kind of a bigger challenge. Um, you can pay for traffic. If you've got any sort of revenue, you can re-divert that into advertisements. You can start paying for it. So you can cheat a little bit on the, on the traffic and, and sort of growing um, the incoming, the top of the funnel part. It's much harder to cheat on the Somebody is using their product and they decide what they're deciding whether or not they should keep using your product because that's based on the merits of value that they're getting from it. And so that requires constant analysis of, you know, why are, why would customers leave? What could you have done to kept them? Like, do you have something that would have kept them around longer? Um, and that's an ongoing challenge for, for anyone, including us. Okay. We started this conversation by going back to where the idea for Kickoff Labs came from. And then we've taken this journey together and how you turn that idea into a successful product. Let's talk about the business today. How many customers do you currently have? Um, we currently have about, um, I would say about a thousand active paying customers. And do you still keep the, you still have a free plan as well? So you presumably have uh, quite a few users on that yeah. too. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, so I clarified the thousand saying that's like paying active, but then there's that 
the the all the people who are you know potentially active and free uh, on the other side. That's that's the bigger you know the bigger bubble, obviously. And what's your revenue today? Um, we're gonna hit. Uh, we'll, we'll probably be around uh, around thirty five uh, thirty five to forty thousand uh, each month. Oh, that's great! Congratulations. So. What is the one thing in your business that you're most excited about right now? Uh, it's hard to say one thing. Um, two, I say that I'm going to say two. I'm going to I'm going to cheat. Uh, <laughs> one, we've been doing uh, we've been doing uh, every other week. We've been doing um, uh, live chats with our customers um, and doing uh, uh, webinars. Um, and we were just doing, um, we've done primarily. I think we've done uh, done eight or nine of them now. And most of them have been just, hey, show up and we'll review your landing page. If you uh, if you if you show up and submit it and you're you're there, we'll we'll take a live look and give you feedback on your landing page. Um, and I love doing that because it's fun, it's exciting, it's it's a challenge because you get these you know wildly different landing pages. Um, and it's been a way that we could start scaling some of that personalization we did, we did when we were smaller and we would personally email and, and give people advice and it was a realization that we had to say, Hey, what if that was public knowledge? Like we're putting the effort into reviewing these people's landing pages in, but what are we getting out of it? And maybe that's selfish, but, um, could we do that in a way that's public and get people to volunteer to put their page on display publicly? Um, and we'll tear it down for them, for them live. Um, and it starts to look, it started to really, it's really taken off in terms of the people who are showing up to the chats, um, and the people who are sending their, their pages and we get people that use our competitors that show up. Um, and that's always fun because I can recognize the competitor pages and I can tell them what, you know, why they'd be better off with our solution, but it's <laughs> figuring out how we made those, did those personal things early on and figuring out how we make them scale to the next level. And that's really exciting to me is how we're t- getting out of this. Everything's done personally for each customer and, th- and, and how we're scaling that so that we can amplify the growth beyond where we are. Um, and then the second thing is I'm always excited, you know, being a product person, the, the next release. Um, so by the time people hear this podcast, it'll be out. Um, we're putting opt-in forms, um, exit intent widgets, pop-up forms on equal playing field with landing pages in the product. Before they're kind of a sub-feature of landing pages, you have to build a page first. And then you could also have a form. Um, now it's just going to be a level playing field. They're pretty much given the same weight in the next version of the product. Um got a, a great feature called uh, any form which is a script um, you just drop it onto um, any could be our template it could be any uh, any form you've you've uh, you've built it could be something you downloaded off theme forest and it'll turn it into a kickoff labs viral form so um, that solves a huge problem from us because no matter how many templates we could build or have partners build for landing pages um, somebody always has something else specific in mind for the look of their page. Um, and so we see that all the time with our customers like, Oh, can you just give me this specific look? Well, you know what? Now you just, you see a look you like, go buy it, drop the script on it and boom, you've got it wired up. You'll get the autoresponder, you'll get the virality. Um, you could even wire it up. If you're using one of our competitors, you could make their pages viral as long as you're also um, using our service um, because you may like the look of their template better and you can still use um, our viral feature of it. Um, and, and, also, just uh, you know, a lot, a lot, a huge overhaul in our, our reporting because one of our goals is is how we help people make smarter choices about where they invest their effort. Um, so, giving them better reports to say, "Hey, 
it's not just that you have a 20% conversion rate, but you have a 50% conversion rate from Facebook and only a 2% conversion rate from your AdWords. Maybe you should think about doubling down your effort on Facebook. And so trying to give people that more proactive advice to focus their energy um, is you know, just some of the features that are in the, the next release we're working on. All right. It's now time for our lightning round. I'm going to ask you a series of questions and I'd like you to answer them as quickly as you can. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Great. Let's do it. What's the best piece of business advice that you ever received? Um, for a manager of mine, if, uh, if missing your release date by one week or one month is going to kill your business, then something else was fundamentally wrong. Um, and that's just a, you know, advice just to focus on, on, on what you're doing and get it right. Not quickly. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? Uh, for me, it was it still has to be the the four hour work week, um, and not because I work four hours a week, but because it <laughs> it really just sort of changed a lot of what I was thinking about um, in terms of my life and the priorities and how I wanted to spend it and how I could potentially spend it going forward. What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur? Uh, people I look up to uh, in the entrepreneurial space is no matter how many hours a week they learn, uh, the, uh, how many hours a week they work, it's that they are able to focus on the things that seem to drive them the most value and ignore things that are less important. Um, and that's just something I think everybody could could work better at, whether they're working at their current job and or their own company. Is just you know the eighty twenty rule, and that seems to be the characteristic that I see shared universally amongst um, really successful entrepreneurs. What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? Uh, related to that, the days I'm most productive are the days that start with me looking over a larger list of you know goals for a company and and my to do list and just picking two or three things and say I'm gonna I'm gonna knock these out. I can ignore everything else, but I'm gonna get these done. The days where I don't do that are the days where I just sort of wander off and I wonder at the end of the day like what did I accomplish today. Let's say you had a successful exit with Kickoff Labs and you wanted to start over tomorrow. How would you go about finding that next business idea? How would I go about finding the next business idea? Um, it depends how successful the exit was. Uh, <laughs> partially, because uh, you know some ideas require more capital, I think, than, than others. I'm just realistic about that. Um, I'm sort of a pragmatist. I, I would personally... Um, I'd personally look to, you know, to combine two things, which is one, uh, trends that I see in a marketplace or three things, trends I see in, in marketplaces that I enjoy. So working with customers that you like is, is incredibly important. If you don't have respect or like the people that you're serving, um, then you're going to have a bad time. Um, and then two, um, I guess what I said, like things that, things that I enjoy. So passions, passions that I have, um, and sort of trying to find the best mix of the two. Anybody that tells you it's all about just passion or all about chasing the money, then I, I think, I think they're wrong. I think that, that, that there's gray space in the middle. What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? <laughs> um, well, I think I, I mentioned, I mentioned it earlier. Um, you know, we started kickoff labs when, uh, when, uh, and the idea to do it when, uh, you know, my, my wife was pregnant at six month old, like in that time span, like what's the best time to start a new business? Oh, when you've got a pregnant wife or a six month old, like <laughs> it seems, it seems, uh, it seems obvious. And then, you know, even other choices we're making, like, uh, we're actually, uh, we're actually moving, uh, into the, into the city in another, uh, another couple, well, by, by next year, we'll be in the city as a, as a, as a personal choice. Um, just because it is 
sort of questions. I enjoy questioning obvious assumptions people make and seeing, you know, could we have an experience that's different than what everybody else expects? And finally, what is one of your most important passions outside of your work? Um, so, uh, you know, obviously my family, uh, my wife, two-year-old girl, four-year-old boy keep me busy, but personal passion. Um, I play about uh, 30 to 40 um, adult baseball games uh, a summer. So it's actually real baseball, not softball. Uh, next week, for example, I'm heading down to Arizona to play in a national tournament. Um, and uh, And so it's, uh, it's baseball's always been a passion of mine. Um, it's you know, when I looked at where I was going to work uh, when I graduated college, I said, "Well, if, if I if I can't play major league baseball, I might as well go to the major league baseball of software." And so that's what drove me to choose a, a job at Microsoft. So I was like, "Well, that's the major league baseball of software, right?" So <laughs> um, uh, that's uh, that's my passion outside of work. All right, great answers, Josh. I want to thank you for joining me today and talking about Kickoff Labs. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing your experiences and your insights with our audience. And thank you for letting us get to know you a little better personally as well. Now, if folks want to find out more about Kickoff Labs, they can go to kickofflabs.com. Mm-hmm. And if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, they can email me, uh, josh at kickofflabs.com and, um, and, uh, and, and reach out that way. It's probably the best way. Awesome. Thanks again, Josh. And I wish you'd continued success. Uh, thank you. Cheers. Are you still wrestling with rigid spreadsheets that slow down your team? JotForm Tables is a solution you've been looking for. JotForm Tables combines the power of a spreadsheet with the flexibility of a database. You can collect your data through customizable online forms and JotForm Tables automatically organizes and stores all the data submitted through your JotForm forms. You can also import and export files and collaborate with your team effortlessly. All changes are synced in real time, so everyone is always on the same page. But JotForm Tables is more than just a spreadsheet alternative with conditional formatting, data visualization, and more than 250 integrations, it's a complete productivity platform for your team. You can even automate tasks and workflows to save time. Ready to centralize your data, boost your team's efficiency, and take your productivity to new heights? Sign up for free at sasclub.io slash jotform. That's sasclub.io slash jotform. Do you dream of owning a profitable online business or are you looking to sell yours? Bupos.com is the number one platform for entrepreneurs and founders alike. With Bupos, you can discover exclusive listings, browse listings from other marketplaces, or submit your own deal for approval. As the first platform to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers, Bupos makes it easier than ever to acquire a recurring revenue business without personal guarantees. Their experienced M&A advisory team is dedicated to supporting you throughout the process, ensuring a smooth transaction. Don't miss out on this exciting opportunity. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash bupos. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to sell your business or find your next venture. Attention SaaS founders, are you determined to scale your B2B business to that coveted million-dollar ARR milestone? I've got something that can help you get there faster. Introducing the SaaS Club newsletter, your weekly companion on the journey to SaaS success. Packed with proven strategies, practical insights, and exclusive interviews with B2B SaaS founders who've been where you are, this newsletter is your ticket to accelerated growth. Each week, in just five minutes, you'll gain access to a treasure trove of growth tactics, lessons learned, and insider tips to help you navigate the challenges of the early stages and scale your business to seven figures and beyond. So why wait? Become part of a 4,000 plus strong community of SaaS founders and entrepreneurs who are already harnessing these insights to drive their growth. Visit sasclub.io slash newsletter and subscribe to the SaaS Club newsletter today. Gain the support and expertise you need to keep forging ahead on your SaaS journey.